Yeah, which was essentially what happened, which got us into this coronavirus mess, in my opinion. But anyway, so she puts out a a, a campaign video, says, I'm a compassionate disruptor. She goes on Sean, Sean Hannity the next night and says, I've changed it already. I'm not a compassionate disruptor. Uh, she gave herself, I, I went, well, you mean within one day, <laughs> you're not a compassionate, you're not a comp- now you're something else? Listen to this. What is a compassionate disruptor? I've kind of played around with that term. Um, and originally I started out as a compassionate disruptor. And then I was thinking the other day, I think I'm more of a thoughtful disruptor. I have common sense. Okay, I see what's going on and I see no common sense in politics and why they're doing it besides only for political reasons. I mean, in one day you became a thoughtful disruptor. Yeah. Why didn't you get the term straight before you started using it? Yeah. It was just so bizarre. And like sounded completely out of touch, started to kind of talk and said, um. You know, I was at my hangar the other day. Now, if you're running for office and you want to be like a woman of the people, I was at the ha- I was at my hangar the other day. <laughs> hangar as in um your airplane hangar. Yeah, where she and, parks her plane. And she ran into another rich dude who said, "You know what? I got this is the story she's telling. Shows you how to touch. I I'm getting out of California. I'm moving because I can't, you know, everywhere I go there's homeless." And then she goes, and there's a real problem with homeless people here, you know. And, of course, never says, well, okay, we have a problem with homelessness. And here's what I plan to do about it. It's just that she's upset that people are leaving. Her rich friends That's are That's right. We've got to do something about the rich people leaving California. Right. Because of the homeless. 18,000 companies have left California. My friends are leaving yes. California. Actually, they my hanger. The guy across... Right over me, he was packing up his hangar. I said, "Where are you going?" And he says, "I'm moving to uh, Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it here anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. I don't want to leave. Okay, either I stay and fight, or fight. I get out of here." What are you going to do? You're going to fight with the homeless? You know, her main concern. You know, this is how this is how bad she is at running. Her main concern about the homeless seems to be that they're disgusting as opposed well, to saying. Well, it's like having a mosquito infestation. You know, there right. are lots of mosquitoes and people are leaving because of the amount of mosquitoes. So I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to call an exterminator. Yeah. You know, not one solution. I don't want my friends to leave. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was in my private jet the other day and I could still see the homeless people from the sky. It was horrible. We have to put them somewhere where no one has to see them. Mm. I just, I'm so disgusted with the homeless problem that I just said, <laughs> you bums, go start a handbag company or something like my stepdaughter. <laughs> and they were like, oh, there's an idea. And now they're wealthy people and they're no longer homeless. We don't have to stare at them. That's how, that's how I'm a disruptor. A compassionate disruptor. Compassionate disruptor. In other words, another person who's completely bankrupt from ideas. Never no, served it wasn't in government. compassionate. It was thoughtful now. She's a thoughtful. thoughtful disruptor. Yeah. Well. And, and Sean didn't follow up with, a, well, what do you do about the homeless? No. Nah. I mean, maybe he did. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw these clips. Uh, Because I'd love to know if there was a plan. 
At one point, she said she was pro-illegal immigration. I thought Hannity's head was going to explode. She slipped and said pro-illegal. <laughs> and he, he quickly corrected her. Oh, by the way, he's blaming, he's blaming this recall on QAnon, anti-vaxxers, and anti-immigration uh, citizens. Yeah. I'm pro-illegal immigration. I, 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 wow. I'm organized. We really have to You're pro-legal immigration. What's that? You're pro-legal. Legal immigration, yeah. yes. Pro-legal immigration. Sorry, did I miss the legal part? Yeah. Thanks for catching me. <laughs> yeah. You got my back, Sean. I appreciate that. Oh, I thought, no, I, no, I'm I, I knew what you were saying. Yeah. So. I'm glad you know what she's saying, Sean, but then you've understood a lot of stuff that nobody else understands. I forget. Do we like abortion or do we hate it? I always mix that one up, Sean. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? You got my back, Sean. Thanks, Shawnee. <laughs> Yikes. I don't know. How does he sleep at night? Does Scott work with him too? Scott Schneerson work with him? <laughs> yeah. After he's done with Ronnie. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, someone's at the door. Let's see who it is. Okay. Hello? Oh, Howard? hi. It's Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. I heard you talking about me. Hello. Hey, Robert. <laughs> Hello. Hey. I understand. Hey, Caitlin. I understand hey, you want to be. I understand you want to be governor. Well, I'm so happy you brought up those disgusting homeless. You know, I have to right. tell you, and this is kind of, I feel I can be free on your show. Because, Robin, Good. they're freaks. They really are. The oh. homeless are freaks. You know this, and right. I know this. Yeah. I was praying, because I'm very religious. I was praying <laughs> this weekend that that 18-ton uh, Chinese rocket would just land on Skid Row and just totally <laughs> wipe out the homeless. Well, you got a plan. So great. Uh, War disruptor. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm a, you know, I've been thinking, I'm not a thoughtful disruptor. I'm an integrated disruptor. I like to integrate all my ideas together and then disrupt them. Isn't that great? Yeah, that is good. <laughs> I, I guess that's what clarify. we need in government. More disruptive. And why can't the homeless get a job? I mean, what right. is that? Right. You know, I'm What's on the Cameo. Problem? I do Cameo. They can get an iPhone, an iPhone right. 6, maybe, an iPhone 6 or a 4. Well, and what if some of them... What if yeah. some of them went in the Olympics and 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 won and and got a gold medal? Then they would be. How awesome. about creating a homeless Olympics? Right. Oh, that would be That's fantastic. An idea. What about <laughs> that, Caitlin? Get a javelin and do something. Come on. You Ridiculous are a disruptor, a thoughtful on. disruptor. There's an idea. <laughs> well, at one point she said to Sean Hannity that uh, she uh, is a thoughtful disruptor, and she says. I'm an idea person. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. If you have a good idea, I'll listen. In other words, I don't have any idea what to do. Right. I'll listen Give to your me idea. your ideas because I'm uh, going to call I don't all the other any. governors. I'm going to say, you what are? are you up to? What are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good Cuomo idea. And say, what are you doing? Sounds right. great. I'm going to do yeah. that, too. Right. You're going to call. You're going to call the governors, hear their ideas. Yeah. And if you see a good one, you'll do it. Yeah. Why not? That's what you call common sense, right? I'm always workshopping. I'm I'm open to anything. Tell me right. how to do my job. I'll do it. Well, I don't know. Sean, I have to say, from my opinion, looked very uncomfortable doing the interview. And he, for some reason, he flew out to California to get the interview. I don't know why. What's going on um, there? Are they really Where going to bat Caitlin? I think he I has know. a crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a vibe that he wanted you? I know he's very religious. I mean, uh, it I might get be a vibe cool. that all men want me. Have you seen really? Me? I mean, oh, you do look yeah. fabulous. You look. You oh yeah, I've completely redone my infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> you believe so, yeah, in doing the infrastructure? Yeah, you spent a lot on it. It takes oh, yeah, a lot a, for infrastructure. 
Believe you me, know, Caitlin, I, had a, I had a crumbling infrastructure, and I fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm good. I, by the way, I love your laugh. It's infectious, oh, really. You. <laughs> well, you know, I have to tell you, like, you know, everyone's getting after me for these trans issues, and I used to have a lot of trans people over to my house when I was doing the reality show, and a lot of them, I have, they don't work on their lady voice. It's really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm going to point something yeah. out to you. If you did the interview sure. at Fox News, yeah, there'd be no bathroom that you could use, and and that's you know, right. because Howard, so I'm so glad you brought this up. I, you know, so many of these trans issues are ridiculous. First of all, I shouldn't be using the women's bathroom. I take massive shits. Right. I mean, uh, I'm not even sure I should see. be using the men's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you still take man shits, even though you're a woman. I, oh, I take triple coilers. I, I'm not sure I shouldn't be out in the woods like a bear. <laughs> You're saying that you should be shitting in the woods like a bear. You're so oh, out yeah. of control. I take yeah. huge shits. Do you oh, take you don't yourself? want a bathroom designated for you. You don't, no, you have, don't even Robin, need it. You'd, you'd have to demolish it, okay? I mean, <laughs> we're talking about All right, know, five well, alarm fires. All right. Thank you, Caitlin. And a good Thank luck for so running much. for governor. Oh. Why not? And Robin, before I go, I got yes. an extra pair of Louboutins for Mother's Day. I have an identical pair. I'd love to send them to you. Uh, your shoes are about a size 14, right? N uh, no. <laughs> no, they're not. How dare well, you. you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honey. Listen, I got to go. Thank you. Thank you. So nice. Right. Uh, very nice. Size 14 Louboutin. I'm just sick and tired of, uh, can you imagine saying someone dainty like you? Salty. <laughs> ah, beautiful song. Thank you, J.D. Uh, Emily Blunt, beautiful Emily Blunt, stars in A Quiet Place Part 2, opening up Friday, May 28th. Um, excited to talk to her about, oh, wow, there you are. There she is. Hi. Beautiful Emily Blunt, look at you. Hi, guys. Where are you, yeah? Good You're morning. In your, in your study. Good morning. I'm I'm in Spain in my apartment that they've rented for me. Oh, you're doing um, a movie. I'm doing a six part western um for Amazon and BBC. So, so I start tomorrow. Western as in the United States, Western like the old yeah. like cowboy and uh, and you gotta lose the British yeah. accent for that too, right? No, it. no. It's actually called the English, so I get to stick with this. Oh. oh, meaning so, the well, English would be the English coming over from they invaded. Yeah, we just tended to invade in general, like every country <laughs> in the world. So this one's called the English. And um, uh, I didn't know this, but aristocratic Englishmen came over in the 1870s and started cattle rearing and cattle herding. Very lucrative. They bought up plots of land as big as Wyoming. And um, so I'm coming over to seek revenge from one of said Englishmen. So with, with, with the movie business now is so crazy. Were you able to accept this movie because you were vaccinated or did you accept it before you got vaccinated? How does it all work? So honestly, I basically, I mean, I am vaccinated. I just got my second one. But I've been working on this for two years. You know, it got sent to me as a pilot and I'm normally just such a terrible crowd for scripts and I don't like anything. And, and I read two pages of it and it was so startling and so beautiful. I just called my agent. I was like, I will be doing this show. Wow. It was so extraordinary. So I kind of 
I was producing it with them and we sold it to Amazon, BBC, and then we were supposed to start back in August and it just got pushed and pushed and pushed. So we're now starting tomorrow. I don't know how you do it. Um, I was talking to my wife because <laughs> we both watched uh, A Quiet Place too. She wasn't going to watch yeah. it with me because Quiet Place once scared but the shit did. out of her. Yeah, she watched it. She loved it. She sat through <laughs> the whole thing her. and really loved it. But she gets scared. Oh, I mean, bad. it is. A, it's a scary movie. It's scary because oh, you know, in a way, this whole edge. thing, the whole thing with COVID, is yeah. really our world changed. Monster, invisible monsters came, and we started breathing yeah. them in. And yeah. in a way, a quiet place is like that. All of a sudden, these monsters show up, and we don't yeah. know why. And, yeah. you know, you're like, what the fuck? I don't know what's going on. It was it was kind of a perfect movie for COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's sort of eerie, you know, how much the themes resonate with people much more now, you know, because I think what you'll see in the second one, and I'm not spoiling anything, but the world expands, the family's home has been decimated so they have to venture out and it's like which neighbor will extend their hand to you like who's going to help you who wants to help you and touch you and look out for you and yeah, it's just those kinds of things like out there yeah how are yeah. we going to get back to togetherness it's sort of it, people are just saying it's really eerie and when we had to pull the movie from cinemas a week before release last year all the posters were still up like all over new york city which was just desolate and people were like, it's so fucking crazy that your movie is like <laughs> representative of this time we're in. Yeah, what it a crazy wild. history with, with this movie. The first one, A Quiet Place one, comes out out of nowhere. It wasn't a big budget film. Made about made over $300 million. Um, yeah. When that movie came out, I had a lot of thoughts about the movie because Go knowing, on. You, knowing you, well, knowing you, <laughs> here was my theory. Knowing you and okay. John and knowing some people in the acting business who have actually worked with their husbands before. Right. When the husband writes and directs a movie and then his wife is going to be in it, it's all great. Yeah. If the movie comes out in tanks, they nine times out of ten get a divorce. Divorce. The wife, yeah. Yes. No, but, but seriously, Emily. She's like, you ruined you, my career. I did this for you. And now it's yes. over. You, you, you're laughing about it, but you know you know how many couples that has happened <laughs> Luckily, to. Luckily, it hasn't happened, but like, no, but, but I know have. what you mean. And even in whether the movie attacked or not, when we decided to work together, there were a lot of people who were like, "You're going to be divorced by the end of the movie." Like people were really. I said it. Like I said, you're crazy. <laughs> Did you? Yes. yes, I said to Listen, my wife, "We went out to dinner with maybe, you." Yeah, we went out to dinner with you and your husband, and I heard the plans that he had written a movie, <laughs> and I'm saying. I turned to my wife afterwards. I said, they're so lovely, but they Disaster. are so done. Disaster. They're so done, yeah. those two. She's doing the movie. She shouldn't be doing this movie. But meanwhile, who knew John could direct and write the way he does? Listen, I didn't know, okay? Right. So yes. He wrote the script. And I initially, when he pitched me the idea, I was like, you've got to direct that. That is fantastic. Here's who you should cast. My friend so-and-so. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Who and was it? I'm curious. Who no, did you recommend? No, Why? That's no, no, such no, a compliment to no, that actor. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. But wait a fair. second. That's a no, compliment the story, to the actor. It'll be a big old because already people have talked about. It. I just I, yeah, that's the headline. No, I'm not going to do it. Emily, so you're seeing this the wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Stop for a second. You're seeing this the wrong way. You <laughs> you are so gracious that you said to your no, husband, "No, I robbed her of this movie. I'm not a good friend." No, but it's you, not, but you it's were wonderful greedy no it's not. you said this girl is such a great actress she'd be perfect for the movie i know That's but maybe so i was hedging my maybe i was hedging my bets against my husband it's not it's actually mean all round so i was being tentative about you? signing on to john's movie his script i read, read it, it on a plane read it on a plane and he 
I turned around and I really had a cry because it was astonishing. And I said, now this is awkward because I've recommended so-and-so. Is there any way you would want me to do this movie with you? And he was really thrilled or he performed being very thrilled. <laughs> but of course you're one of the hard... He mind. Well, you're a very... He did write it with you in mind, but... He did. Here's the thing. You're a very successful actress. You get offered a mm -hmm. lot of movies. You're in that rarefied air where you get offered things and can turn things down. Yeah. So... You know, the point is to get you in the movie is great. And and you're right. Who the hell knew John could write Who a the fucking hell knew? movie? And I remember I said to him, I said to him before we started shooting, I was like, you got to get yourself an amazing DP. Do you know how to shoot this movie? And right. the other thing that was the big discovery is what a visual hurricane he was. Just brilliant to the point yes. where I was like, what are you doing with the camera? What? But, but, I, I would have no idea how to shoot that movie. But here's the thing. When he decided to write a movie, you were yeah. probably rolling your eyes. You're probably like, you know what? I'm working my ass off. No. What does this guy do? Where was he writing this movie? And you were probably, did he? Good. You were probably busy. You, you were probably like, what the hell? I'm working like crazy. And this guy said, I wasn't. I just, I was pregnant and I'd had our first baby, our second baby. I was like, he pitched me the idea. And I listen, I've always known he is supremely talented. And actually to speak very plainly with you, I was just waiting for the rest of the world to sort of find out that he was more than Jim from the office. And for a long time, I know he wanted to, that's a hard tale to shake. Like when you're beloved as Jim Halpert and people are like, that's what you are. And it is a business of compartmentalizing people it is a business of pigeonholing yeah because so, i didn't think john deserved you honestly i'll be honest i <laughs> thought maybe someone like myself did i i really he would be think, <laughs> and 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 john proved himself when he wrote this movie and directed it and now you were of like course, oh he finally deserves her yeah is that i get thought? it now I didn't get it before. No, but oh, well, when well, he, I when got it, it. You thought it was I a got flick, it. like he when didn't he, write Woods. <laughs> yeah, I thought he hypnotized Emily and got her to marry him. <laughs> but, I, but, but really, when you, how long, I mean, in other words, how did he even know how to write a script like that? It's a brilliant script. He'd written um, a script before. He wrote the script with Matt Damon called Promised Land. And he'd always enjoyed writing. And he, you know, he'd done a bit of directing, but not much. But I know, like any job he was on, he would rewrite it and sort of make it better. And but I didn't know he had all of that in him. He didn't right. know. He he had no idea that this sort of tsunami of ideas and creativity was sort of about to hit him. He had no clue. None of Emily, us did. Take me to the moment when the movie comes okay. out. The first one I'm talking about. We'll get yeah, to the yeah. second one in a minute. The movie comes out. It's a huge hit, critically acclaimed. You yeah. come off beautifully. Even wrote your script. You don't even have to memorize any lines. You just you, you get. To, which, by the way, do you prefer? It must be such a blessing. You just have a couple of lines, and then the rest is like visual acting. It's almost it's like a kind of really film. fun. Yeah, it's it like is a fun, dream. right? You're like, yeah, honey, really if you just write me a movie where I don't have to say anything. I, God <laughs> yeah, bless you. Oh, it's the best. I just get to give give birth silently. We shot that scene for like five days. It was just what? silent birth giving. Yeah, like it was my great. Wife, no, no words. No words. Yeah, yeah, no words. My wife said, what a great role. I remember my wife once got a role <laughs> of soap opera. She had to know five lines and she couldn't get the five lines memorized. I mean, the memorizing lines is hard. And she said, now there's a movie I would want to do. You know, that's that's yeah. a gift. Yeah, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, the movie comes out and grosses th over $300 million. 
it, it's like an aphrodisiac, right? I mean, even sexually. Now you look at John. I mean, it might, the lovemaking. Was lovemaking done immediately uh, when you realized <laughs> the kind of blockbuster this thing was? It was pretty cool. It was, right? Was the, what, yeah. Did it become even more romantic, your relationship? I imagine it, not, Honestly, it put it up a notch. You know what's funny is, you know, when we first brought the movie to for people to see, we were both bricking it. I mean, he especially hadn't eaten all day. And we were showing it at South by Southwest. And at that moment, 10 people had seen it. And I don't think anyone knew what was coming. And he, I remember we started playing the film and people were silent. Like, I've never had an experience like it. And then they, they'd laugh because they were nervous. And John was like, Oh my God, why are they laughing? I was like, because they're fucking terrified. They're, they're, they're into it. And the movie ended and there's a gun cock at the end that I do. And I, in my life, I've never experienced anything like it. It was like they wanted to rip the chairs out of the floor. The whole place erupted it like the doors blew off. It was so yes. thrilling. And I felt that thing happen on social media afterwards, like people just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. But I think when it actually came out and it did what it did on that opening weekend, it was just, we were astonished. It was, was the lovemaking, Emily, Listen, don't avoid the question, Howard. was the lovemaking wild? I mean, how, how do you express <laughs> that? I mean, your life. And also, I would imagine when a movie makes $300 million, Emily, mm -hmm. financially, I mean, you got to get back Howard, in dollars. come on. I don't what? talk about money from England. We don't talk about that. But my my parents you, have never said, so what do you earn? Like, would never imagine asking me. I, I don't talk about money. Think of me. As your parents asking you. No, I Emily, can't. We need, the, we need your bank account. supposed to be my husband. I don't see you that way. But Emily, this is yeah. a game changer. Your life. Did you go out and buy anything? Did you got? Did you guys do anything special? Or are you the type of couple that just says, "Well, we got to be sensible about this. We'll save." No, up I'm me. never. I have never been sensible with money. Any time I had any money, it is gone. I do not know how to save money. So and what did you John, buy? John especially does not know how to save money. <laughs> well, we actually got ourselves out of debt. I think. <laughs> Is that right? No, stop it. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's 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 mind blowing. I, someone once told me when when I made my movie, if you make over a hundred million dollars, your whole world's going to change. You get offered any great all, There's certain great scripts in Hollywood. You get offered. You get Did you? the war. I, I didn't see anything great. I, I got a couple of uh, offers to do future movies, but I wasn't. I'm not an actor, and I wasn't. I wasn't pursuing that in my life. But yeah. you know, but but it's a blockbuster like that. My movie wasn't a blockbuster like that. It 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 is a mind blowing, heady experience, is it not? It and still is, some, and it yes, it still it still is. It really is. It is like this because the movies for us they are like family members. You know, at times they been rather dysfunctional family members but they are members they they are like wild horses in our house and and i can't tell you like it's like when you live and breathe it for the months on end leading up to it and and then the movie comes out and people love it and it has this sort of meteoric life that was so unexpected it was so unexpected and then people want to do a second one it just was it still is it's still i don't know it i have a very hard time recognizing that's me in any movie that people like I right. just I disassociate. Like if I see a poster of myself, I'm like, who is that? Like I, I I don't I have a hard time associating with it. So here's what people don't realize. So a Quiet Place yeah. One is this huge hit, and uh, and you and you do such a beautiful uh, acting job. In fact, Emily won the SAG Award for the first movie. 
uh, you know, Screen Actors Guild Award, which is pretty exciting stuff. And uh, it's great piece of acting, great movie, suspenseful. And then when John, I guess John says, I think I have an idea for a second one. You're probably like, don't press your luck. I mean, I'm falling more <laughs> in love with you now. You know, you proved to me you're you're somebody in this business. Don't screw if it. You're up. not a fluke. Don't screw it up. He right? didn't prove to me. He proved to you guys. He didn't <laughs> no. prove anything to me. You have to say that. But um, no, I do. That's what I feel. He knows that. He knows. That. I I read a quote from you, and tell me if it's true. It, you said when the first movie came out and was such a huge hit, you said, "This is when John really became my husband." And uh, <laughs> I was I was not embarrassed to be with him. <laughs> right. This is this is my man now. This is I'm ready to fully commit. It, it's a beautiful quote. It's ridiculous. an honest quote. Uh, no, I never but, said it. I literally I was like, oh, "Go on, keep going." Next question. So so when. John goes off and writes the second, the sequel, so to speak. Are you saying to yourself, okay, this will be fun. You guys now get it made. This is kind of a mind-blowing thing, and I didn't realize the timeline. The movie was all set to come out in theaters yeah. right before the pandemic, literally days before the pandemic. You had done all the press. You had gone yeah. on every TV show. You had done all your homework in terms of making the second, the sequel, a success. And by all means, based on what the movie I saw, the, the one you've just made, I know it would have been a blockbuster in theaters. There's no mm. question it would have done the same exact thing. It's that good. It, it, it has to be heartbreaking. When the pandemic it, hit. It, it sucked. It sucked. And, it sucks on so many levels. It was so discombobulating and... Surreal. I mean, for everyone, though, for everyone that's gone through this thing, it must have been weird for your show. It must have been weird to suddenly come out and be like, okay, I guess we're at home and this is it. Oh, my God, what's happening? It was so strange, and yet everyone was in a state of disbelief. John was the one who actually called it two weeks before we pulled it. He was like, we're going to have to pull this movie. Mm. And everyone was like, no, 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 what are you talking about? No way. People just go inside for two weeks. Maybe we push it two weeks. You know, every, he, he was hearing that, and he goes, this is happening I'm pulling the movie from the theaters. Wow. And even the studio were like, I don't know, I don't know. And he was like, we're pulling it and we're pulling that, it today. That has to be heartbreaking because, you know, uh, like I'm an amateur painter. And when I paint something, I'm very proud of it. I can You're a imagine, very good painter. Thank you. But uh, what I'm saying yeah. is when, when John writes this movie, you star in it, you, you pour your heart and soul into it, forgetting mm -hmm. money and everything, you really want people to see it. You know, you oh, really I, we, want we, to... Yeah, it's kind of like you're... It's kind of like you... Honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like I've been sitting on my hands for a year waiting for people to see it with my knees juggling. I'm just like, I just want people to see it so badly. Because it's also brilliant. You know, it's one... And I never tell people to see my films, ever. There's only a few right. that I've been like, oh, you should check it out. It's good. This one is such an inspired sequel and I'm really proud of it and... I can't believe it hasn't come out, but this is the way. I, ultimately, we all just had to surrender, right? Everyone had to surrender and let things unfold with a bit of grace and ease. But it was it was surreal. I remember doing, I did Kimmel's show and the movie was coming out. And the next day I was doing James Corden's show and I got a call on the way to James Corden going, we're pulling it. And I arrived at Corden and he goes, is your movie coming out? I went, no, but I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> right, and, I d and, and and so I just had to do the performance of a lifetime, pretending my film was coming out. It was so oh. strange, 
so weird. What, what do you think? I mean, as someone who works and uh, really works in the movie business, and you're you know you're you're at the top of your game, are you? Look, everybody has the horrors in their life and career, but in a way, do you feel? I don't know what you're feeling because what is the movie business now? Is it ever going to come? Are people really going to start going to theaters again? As an actress, are you sitting and saying, you know, I'm one of those people that's a movie star. I'm a bona fide movie star. I've starred in lots of big movies. I... I feel like I won't be seen on a small screen. No, I don't. <laughs> well, yes. Don't you feel that in a no, sense? No, I'm doing like... a TV series now. No, 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 not at all. For me, there used to be such a bright line between TV and film. And that line has been blurred now for many moons, you know, since all the big movie stars have been like, that's the best material. And it is the best material. And interestingly, I think that for a long time, the last five years, I've seen it happen a lot that every movie is sort of contorted for that opening weekend. Like how many bums on seats can we get? And so the, the taste level starts to go to rock bottom because they're sort of films have become so derivative of one another. So deliberate, so sort of compressed into like what they think people want to see. So you've lost that ability of like interesting narratives, cool storylines, stuff that we haven't seen. Everyone's just trying to do what worked before. So in many ways, what's happening with streaming, I have no issue with, because I think we could go back to that resurgence of like those 70s movies where people, there's no pressure, there's no gladiatorial sort of thumbs up, thumbs down on the opening weekend, and that dictates how your film does. So I don't mind it. I really don't mind what's happening. I think you're right. But I do believe that there will always be these big event movies that you have. I'm such a dusty old fart in that way. I want to go to the theater. I love to go to the theater. I've always loved it. It's been a huge part of my life DNA of excitement and entertainment. So, so I do believe people will go back. I think people are champing at the bit to go back. And you've seen that evidenced in some of the films that have come out, even released day and date on HBO Max. These movies have crushed at the theaters. People, are they, they need to get out of their houses. We need to start creeping back to the land of the so, living, you know. So they're releasing the movie this weekend uh, for theatrically, right? I mean, it's the, the movie A Quiet Place 2 is going to be in theaters. Yes, and, and it's going to yeah. be solely in theaters for 45 days, which is a lot more than uh, some other studios are offering uh, theatrical windows. Sometimes it's a day and date with streaming, but Paramount, you know, have been very collaborative with us and they want us to have the theatrical, which is really, this movie particularly was made for the theaters. Right. Yeah. We'll it's see big... what happens. I think in many ways our movie is a bit of a test dummy, which is a bit scary. But at the same time, I think John always felt quite confident about being one of the first movies to bring people back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's quite remarkable. You know, I, I was watching the movie and I went, oh, you know, they could really fuck this up because the, the first <laughs> one was so good. But you, you also, can. do you ever want to leave your house? No, you don't want to leave your house. So you're, no, you're not think... a good template for it. I'm not, but I think your assessment of the movie business is right. I think things started to get very weird. That movies started opening all on the same weekends. I remember a hundred years ago when Crocodile, the first Crocodile Dundee came out. The best. It was fantastic. And the movie didn't do well the first weekend. It built. People, word of mouth built and people went out and, and they made that movie a hit. 
didn't happen anymore. So maybe yeah. with the pandemic and the way the movie business is changing and with the streaming services that a lot of, as you say, these films that are a little deeper, have a little more meat to them, yeah. you know, they might end up doing really well. Well, well, and you get more people to see them. And I think the, the stories are just going to be better. They're going to have more depth and intrigue to them. Um, I think that everything was just becoming so simple and nobody expected Quiet Place to do well, but it did well because it has depth and because of word of mouth. So that South by screening happened. And the only reason we did so well with the opening weekend is because of that screening and because of the reviews. Is your career getting so big at this point? I mean, (laughs) wait a second. Hear my question. I know. You're at the... Okay, listen to me. Don't, first of all, you don't even need to have humility. You're a great actress and you're able, you know, you've got the look, you've got the ability, you've got the chops to act. So the world's your oyster. And there's, and I don't, you know, there's not many actresses who get to your level. They want to, they want to be the leading lady. They don't get to be, you know, they don't get the star opposite Tom Cruise and all that. But with that comes this insane amount of scripts. And how do you, like, when you pass on something, it, does it give you some kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach? Like, oh, God, I hope I'm making the right choice. This could be the next blockbuster that I just turned down. I was reading something. You turned down. Um, what the hell was the movie you turned down? I can't even remember what it was. I think it was. you. Were, oh, I know what it was. You were supposed. You were offered the role of Black Widow in the Marvel series. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great role for uh, Scarlett Johansson. But that would have been a great role for you, too. And a, and a, and a slam dunk big role. Mm-hmm. But you had to turn it down because you're so fucking busy that you were doing Gulliver's Travels at that point. No, no, no. I, I actually do want to clean up the story on Gulliver's Travels. I was contracted to do Gulliver's Travels. I didn't want to do Gulliver's Travels. Oh, you didn't want to? No, I you wanted not. to be. You wanted to be an Iron Man? No, I actually, to be very honest with you, I wasn't sure about the realm of the superhero world, if that was for me. And I'm still not sure about it, to be honest with you. So it was a two prong thing. But the Gulliver's thing was a um, I basically when I did the Devil Wears Prada, I had an optional picture deal and I turned down a couple of the suggestions for the optional pictures because I didn't like them. And at some point they just executed their optional picture. So it was a bit of a heartbreaker for me, to be honest with you. I've never even talked about it publicly, but it was a bit of a heartbreaker for me because I take such pride in the decisions that I make and it, they mean so much to me, the films that I do. So that was that was tough. See, I don't know that about the movie business, and that seems archaic Well, to, to be me. honest, it doesn't. Well, I think it is archaic. I don't think it happens anymore because you, you're going to have very unhappy actors on a set, and that's not... Fun and I, I know it happened to another actress, a Carmen, something else, and you just end up with this feeling of resistance, and you're so. I, I find I found it very difficult. Very Emily, difficult. is it difficult because you put so much thought into what you do as an actress? You know, you're not winging it. You're doing your homework and you're working hard at it, and your decisions, in a way. I remember always thinking to myself, Arnold Schwarzenegger is great because you know when he's going to be in an action film, he always picks these great action films. I can trust him. In other words, yeah. the audience builds up a trust with you. They right. know if you pick a film, it might be something they're interested in just because it's you. And so you feel, I don't even understand how that happens. Because you do Devil Wears Prada, mm. the studio says, we'll give you this film. 
but you've got to promise promise us you'll do another film and make that decision in a certain amount of time. Is that is that the idea of it? Yeah, and they kind of have a bit of a hold over you. So there were other movies that I would want to do, and I'd say, but I really want to do this movie about young Victoria. And so at some point, I think it just became evident that I needed to get rid of this optional picture deal because it was going to just hang over me for a long time, and I didn't mm. want that. And ultimately, as hard as it was, I don't think anyone expected for the hand to be forced. I think you kind of like hope that it isn't, but... It, it was, yes, I, I care deeply, very, very much about the choices I make. That's all I have are the choices that I make. Because after that, it's it's really left up to the gods, like what happens. And you, you, you usually don't really have any idea why a movie catches fire and why it doesn't. But no, I'm never left with a feeling of regret when I turn something down. It is, I know in 20 pages, if I love it, if I, it's ethereal as to why I like it. I don't know why I like it. I just love it. And I'm in or I'm out after 20 pages. So when you show up on the set of Gulliver's Travel, because you're a professional, you're going to do the best you possibly can. For sure. The, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I was never look, looking like a slapped ass on set. I'm not. I would never, ever do that. And right. no, you, no one knew. And I, and I also didn't talk about it with right. anyone on set or anything because there were a lot of lovely people in it who were heaven to work with. And I actually had a, had a really good time. I had a laugh with all of them. But it irked my heart to for it to have happened in the first place but i ended up trying to i i will always try and make the best of any situation for sure i'm not Emily, are you like me i sometimes think that people are more of a human being than they are like i'll go i know what i'll do i'll go to the head of the studio and i'll say listen mm. i only want to do good for you but i don't really <laughs> love the script gulliver's travels and i don't like the 17 other scripts you've sent over to me i'm not trying to <laughs> screw you but yeah. could you please understand that I that these aren't for me? Did, did you ever try to go and reason? Do you know, and, I wish I had. I wish I had, but I was much younger then. I was much younger and sort of in, more inexperienced. I would do it in a heartbeat now, and I know I would get somewhere. Because I right. think when you don't hide behind your agents and your lawyers, then they have to look at you like a human being, and they don't want to upset the talent. They don't want to upset the actors. I, I wish I'd had the guts to, but at the same time, I wanted to get rid of this optional picture. Wow. I've never heard about this. You see, I, there's so little I know about the optional picture thing. Yeah. And, you know, I guess when you sign, Honestly, you I go, don't think it happens anymore. It really doesn't happen. I mean, that was 10, 11 years ago. It was a long time ago. I mean, in a way, what a compliment. They're saying to you, okay, do Devil Wears Prada, but we love you so much. We we need to get another film out of you if we give you this this wonderful Honestly, when project. You, no, because when, when I did the Devil Wears Prada contract, no one knew who I was and no one knew, knew if Devil Wears Prada was going to do well. I just think it was sort of one of those things that people did sometimes with it, people who were sort of more emerging. Like I, no one knew who I was before I did that film. So I, I think if you're emerging, you're they kind yeah. of want to bank on you maybe being good or maybe being worth doing another movie with. Now I get it. Their their yeah. philosophy is, hey, let's put her in Devil Wears Prada. If she if she blows up big in this movie, she's ours. now we've got then <laughs> she's ours. We got her for the next movie, and you yeah. sign it because you're like, I'm, I oh, I want to be. Yeah, I know this movie's going to be great, and I'm going to be good in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my God, what a disaster! What a, isn't it, <laughs> it treacherous? Do, do you ever stay up late at night and go? There have been so many landmines I could have stepped on in my career that could have screwed me up. 
Mm. Uh, I, I, oh, or do you, do you not think, I do that all the time in my career. I go, you do? Oh my God. Oh my God. I had a nightmare. Like the, the other day, I just had a panic attack that what if I hadn't taken this job at my first radio station? And what if I had been too scared? Yeah. And what if I, what if I, what if I? Oh I, yeah. I think about that all the time. Those kind of the what ifs and if onlys of life for sure. Yeah. Like I remember even, for example, when I was 16, um, 15, 16, I was applying for A-level college, which we do in England. You, you do two years of the, you specialize in three, three subjects between the ages of 16 and 18. So you go to an A-level college and my sister, my older sister is one of these like supremely frighteningly intelligent people. And she was at the best school in London. She got into Westminster and it was just so academic. She did maths further, maths, biology, chemistry. She was extraordinary. And all I wanted to do was go to Westminster because that's where Fee had gone. And I, and I didn't get in. And I remember like reeling around the kitchen, like it's over. And like my mom was like, it's not like, it doesn't matter. You'll look back on this and things happen for a reason. So I go to this other college who had a great drama department. They then said to me, Hey, do you want to earn some money? Come and do this play at the Edinburgh theater festival this summer. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And an agent came to see it and he's still my British agent. Wow. So it's just crazy. And I would never, that would never have happened if I got into that, gotten into that school. Yeah. And you start to think of alternate realities. Like I wouldn't yes. have had this career. Like my career is really important to me. You know, it's like, like this me was too. my life. Yeah. And I, you know, it, 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 I play that what if game and it drives me crazy. Don't um, do it. I know. Well, I'm trying not to. It, it, it leads me down a very dark <laughs> hole, you know, by the yeah, way, when, speaking of Devil Wears Prada. Your husband has said that he loves that movie so much he saw it 25 times. Did yeah. You, yeah. Did you ever worry in the beginning of your relationship that maybe John was a stalker? Yeah, a creep. He's like, I got to get the girl from Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, the only time I worried was when, when I realized he'd watched it so many times was there's a montage where Annie Hathaway's like walking down the street in various different fabulous outfits. And John was watching it one day and he was looking at the screen, looking at the screen, looking at the screen. And then he went, and that's my favorite outfit. Like, and that's when you knew he'd seen ah. it like a million times. Okay. I remember uh -oh. just looking at him. I was like, John, that is so lame that you know that. Thank God this movie Quiet Place was a hit. We'd have to get rid of John. It would be a whole God. big problem. We, you, you know what, though? We did really well. We work really well together. We, that movie, the first and second one should have been sponsored by McAllen Whiskey. We drank a lot of whiskey and any little kinks we'd iron out on the way to work. And I remember one whispered fight in a side room where I was disagreeing <laughs> with him about something. You know, one of those urgent whispered fights, you know, <laughs> you know that you think no one can hear. There right. was like one of those. Let like, me ask I you. you. I didn't want to do it like that. <laughs> I, you mean he tried, to, he tried to direct you and tell you how to do the scene? No, there was something about the, the um, it was a very emotional scene. So I remember there was something about that he was going to start wide. And, you know, you don't want to kind of run out of gas before they come to your close-up. So I was like, can we just start close? You know, and then that was what we ended up having a squabble about. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't I that fantastic? <laughs> I know. But isn't that fantastic? That showbiz, the two of you had a yeah. major fight over your close-up. And, <laughs> close and you know, but you're right. <laughs> why wouldn't... Why wouldn't John start on your close-up? That's the money shot. You want that. Because he was trying to do a one-er because he's very fancy with the camera. And I was like, oh. don't be fancy on this scene. Be Let me ask you an acting question. Go on. So one of the themes of the movie, okay, I was wondering this. One okay. of the themes of movies are, okay, 
these horrible monsters have invaded Earth. I'll call them monsters. We don't know if they're aliens from another planet. We don't know if there's something that emerged from the ocean. We don't know what the fuck they are. <clears throat> yeah. As an actress, do you have to create a backstory where you go, not that we are entitled to see it, but you go, as my character, I have a theory that these monsters came from outer space and they're very smart and they're trying to take over the planet and they're going to eat us all or something. Do you have to create some kind of reality that your character believes? I am not usually that interested in context of things. Like I'm not because the movie is like a runaway train and also they 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 invade. That's all you have to know. They invade. Did they come from outer space? You. Did you ever ask John? Did you ever say John? Where the fuck do these aliens? I mean, I, what are these I things? I think the assumption is that yes. I mean, they didn't come from here, so I would assume they came from outer space. And you you yeah, see there's them a, the you see a flash in the sky. Yeah. So let's just so assume I, they come from outer space. But uh, I don't think you need to get into the nitty gritty of the why and the facts and all that because then you get into all that scientific jargon. The audience is like. <sighs> Like, who cares? Right. Like, they invade. They want to kill you. Don't make any noise. You're dead. How do you survive? Like, that's what's interesting. That's, that's what's what great I about, about it. it. I don't want any. No, you don't. Need you don't to know. know. Yeah, you I don't, don't want any nonsense. Know. You don't need to know. And actually, I remember talking to Chris McQuarrie, who was one of the writers on um, Edge of Tomorrow. He was the main writer. And I think we were sort of encouraged to do a scene where we describe the aliens. And he was like, I can't stand that scene because you don't need it. You don't need to know what they do. We don't need to know. So I think he really liked that about Quiet Place, that we didn't explain anything. Emily, yeah. you know what movie I haven't seen of yours that, what? that you know, that made a ton of money? The one you did with Tom Cruise. For some you reason. You haven't seen that movie. I've never you seen like that movie. It. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you like that, action movies? Do you like I yes, love action yeah. movies. And, and I don't know. Like yeah. And I don't know how I've missed that film. And, Tom is and, so brilliant in it. He's so brilliant because he's there's nothing about that. He's not the earnest action hero. He's a total coward. He's funny. He's like Wiley e. Coyote. He's so good in it. It's my gonna, favorite thing he's done. I'm going to um, rent that movie or however the hell you have to get it. I'm going to get it this <laughs> okay. weekend. The cassette. And I, no, I it really. That's a movie <laughs> that I would dig. Now. Now, now, let me ask him as an actress, when you get a movie like that with Tom Cruise, which is almost, yeah. you know, right away, you know, it's going to be a hit because this guy is such a box office draw. Does yeah. that make, you know, you've said that like when you hosted Saturday Night Live, that was oh. the most nervous you've ever been right before you go out. And and, and yeah. you, you even said somewhere that there was a vomit bucket that they have. I didn't know this. There's a vomit bucket yeah. right on the side of the of the. Uh, of the stage like before right, you walk right out. by the door before it slides open there's a vomit 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 a vomit, vomit, vomit bucket <laughs> a vomit bucket and i so, said to dawn yes. who's this amazing woman who sort of hoists you around the place and like wrestles you into various wigs and costumes she was rubbing my back she had these fabulous big hands it was like rubbing my back and she was like okay you're good you're good you're good you're all right you're all right you're all right and you can hear them announcing it and my whole body was shaking and i said what's that for and she goes that's for that's it that's a that's a puke bucket. And I said, have when someone's thrown up and she goes, they have. When somebody stands there and rubs you back, that would make me more nervous and be like, shut no, no, up. I love leave it. me alone. I, no, I need, I need to be held. I need someone to catch me and like hold me for sure. That vomit bucket. Did they tell you who has thrown up into that vomit bucket before? <laughs> no, they I really out? want to know. Wouldn't you like to know? I want to know. Yes. I think you it do is. know. I think you're, you're just. No, I really um, don't. Nice.
I didn't have, I was trying not to throw up. I was trying not to speak. If I'd had, if I'd said, who was it? Probably would have puked in it myself. But I, I would think going on set with a guy who is successful like Tom Cruise would be on the yeah. nervous meter. I would think, well, though maybe well, you're so comfortable on a movie set that it wasn't a big deal. Like you just no, no, go in no, and do I your was crap. Very, very, no, that, that one I was scared for. And I had to get into this um, sort of crazy physical shape for it because she's supposed to be this lethal warrior. So I was in training for three months beforehand. And I know that he, you know, is big into doing his own action. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to try and keep up and do all of that. 